The Dot Connectors, brought to you by Omnia Global. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode with yours truly. And this is with a dynamic duo, a couple, in fact, and they run recreational habits. And, and I had the pleasure of interviewing Jackie and Marlon about their backgrounds. We're actually quite different. And they have set up this business, which is a content platform, as well as providing amazing products. Please do check out their Instagram. They sell beautiful, preppy American attire for various types of sport. But the difference with this business is there's genuine purpose sat behind it. And it's all about inclusivity to a particular type of individual, particular area uh, within society, which perhaps has been otherwise closed off to these types of sports. And of course, that's that shouldn't be happening. So these guys are genuinely trying to change at a large scale. And it's a hugely in, insightful episode. And if you have children, friends looking to go into fashion, please pass this on. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome, Marlon and Jackie. How are you both today? Doing great, thank you. We're good. We are in separate locations, as you can hear. So. <laughs> that could be a good thing, not not necessarily a bad <laughs> thing all the time, you know. May I ask, actually, for the we're always a bit nosy on these episodes and like to know where where are you based in the world at the moment? So we are based in Middleburg, Virginia, which is kind of near, like an uh, thirty minutes outside of DC. Awesome. Brilliant. I think, no, you actually might be our second US guest. So uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to this one. And actually, for me personally, obviously, Jackie, we had uh, a chat beforehand. For me, your business, which I'll ask you to talk about in a moment, is a really good example of not just being a business to, you know, bluntly generate lots of revenue or build the biggest possible profile as quickly as possible. It is a business with genuine purpose and actually bigger than purpose. It is, you know, paving the way for next generations, breaking down societal norms. Um, For me, I absolutely love your business and I'm desperate to own something from your business. I have followed you on Instagram and I'm super impressed. Uh, Not least actually the the photography of you and Marlon. I, I don't think I've come across such photogenic individuals uh, in my entire life. So congratulations, both of you. Um, Just wanted to start with you, Marlon, because I've kind of, uh, everybody's intrigued now wondering, who are these guys? Marlon, tell me all about Recreational Habits, your business that you run together and your motivation for starting the business. So Recreational Habits was really an idea that Jackie and I came up with during COVID. Jackie's background in fashion, mine in finance, we were looking at ways to work together. And uh, when we thought that, you know, content and being able to storytell was something that was really important to us. And the fact that we both are people of color and we tend to be uh, in environments where we were, you know, the only people of color. So if we were skiing at a particular place or playing golf, you know, we just recognized that there wasn't a lot of people that looked like us in that environment. And, and there are superstars out there who are pioneering the, you know, sports and various things where people of color typically aren't seen. And so 
you know, we thought it'd be great to showcase these people and create awareness that would be relatable to an audience of, of young people of color. And so as we started down the path of coming up with some ideas, we, we wanted to push forward with launching a more content oriented play. And then naturally, as the concept progressed, uh, it, we, we moved into wanting to not only storytell, but combine that with product. And, and so that's how the idea of the business came about. And then Jackie will tell you a little bit more about how she came up with the name Recreational Habits, but uh, Recreational Habits is the, the banner that we wrapped this idea around. Thank you. And, and yeah, Jackie, I'd love to know where, where the inspiration came from for the business name. So I was at a doctor's appointment one day and, you know, we're going through the list of physical questions that they ask you, you know, are you, do you drink? Are you a smoker? You know, all of those questions. And one of the things they asked me was, do you take any recreational drugs? And <laughs> I thought that was the strangest question because I, when I heard those words together, recreation to me had always been something associated with outside and healthy and active and, you know, recreational, um, like facilities and rec clubs. And for it, for me to hear it again, like that recreational drugs, I thought, wow, that is so interesting that people, you know, can have these kind of habits that they're so addicted to or love to do. And I thought, well, what if we spun that on its head and said recreational habits in a way that's super positive and about you know, doing the sport that you are addicted to or the thing that makes you feel great. And it kind of blossomed into this overall concept that both Marlon and I thought were was so cheeky and humorous. So we really mm. loved that idea. And we did have other names on the table kind of as we were going through this whole process. But as we were discussing them, we realized that habits actually means clothing in certain languages. So like in French, habit ah. means clothing. So, you know, it was a very um, serendipitous way for the words to come together, which I thought was great. And that's kind of what we rolled with. I love it. I mean, I have to say, I don't know what, what the US doctors ask. I don't get asked those sorts of questions. Perhaps they look at me and think I'm this sort of holier than thou saint-like individual uh whereas you guys are like right let, let's get all the bad habits out of the way but i love it because people sit there trying to come up with this really profound kind of you know it sounds good on paper but actually to have a business name that's kind of got a funny story and then actually a link directly into what you're doing is is actually i mean you could pay a lot of money for a brand consultant to come up with that and it just kind of hit you. So yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And I think it really plays into, um, as you've got on your website, the kind of preppy uh, American style and kind of blending that. And we'll talk a bit more about, you know, inclusivity. Um, I think recreational to me as a Brit is, is quite a preppy word. So I think you've from a marketing branding standpoint, I think you've absolutely nailed it. So, so great. Um, both of you, I'm intrigued because, um, again, having spoken to uh, Jackie previously, uh, who's explained you know her background, I'm, I'm intrigued. Marlon, what, what? Tell me about your background in finance, and then you're here now. Like, tell me, tell me more about it. I'm super intrigued. So, you know, I've run a kind of boutique wealth management business with an Asian European 
focus for, for many years. And um, while doing that, we've worked with lots of high net worth individuals who do various things. Some of them are in fashion, some of them are in oil. You know, we're, we're really generalist across the board and uh, have a strong background in trading. So, you know, I tend to look at things from a different perspective, you know, not necessarily from a private company perspective, but more from a, a public orientation. And where the drivers are in the market, uh, typically there's multiple value. And fashion and lifestyle has always been one of those things where if you if you can combine the business aspect along with something that people can connect to, um, you really create a unique environment for commerce and, and being able to, to build a profitable business. We discovered that some years ago. I was a early investor in the brand True Religion jeans. And what we wow. what we did is, you know, along with being able to invest in the company, we had some superstars at the time wearing the product. And, you know, it's it's one thing to have something organically just kind of catch on. It's another when you've got someone who's got millions of viewers watching them endorsing your product. And so when we invested in that company, you know, we came into the market at $2 a share. The company over a very short period of time ran to over $40 a share. And that came wow. from the, the recognition from Main Street to Wall Street. You had people you know, brokers who were hearing about this jean company that, you know, was $400 a pair. And they, they actually recognized the name because their wives or their girlfriends <laughs> were buying them. And it was such a crazy thing at the time because it just wasn't, it wasn't a common thing to, to own a pair of jeans that cost you $400. And so it, it really made it a unique play. And since then, I've always kept my eyes on fashion and kind of lifestyle-oriented products and businesses that I could get involved in. And when Jackie and I met each other, you know, I, I felt it was an opportunity to get involved in um, a business that would be more lifestyle-oriented, something that we live and breathe every day. And so being able to combine both finance and fashion uh, with someone that you are married to is a very unique thing and and so we you know we're, we're super excited about being able to collaborate and you know kind of build and you know just, just this morning Jackie and I were talking about you know the micro steps that we have to take in order to get to the macro steps and sometimes you can lose sight of where you're going or the progress that you're making because you don't necessarily you know measure the micro steps but we've, we've taken lots of many steps and to get to where we are today. And, and hopefully in the next, you know, next nine months, year, you know, we will be that much further along with developing the brand. I couldn't agree more with the micro steps comment, uh, Marlon. I was only advising a company yesterday, you know, there's this sort of, right, we want to make X amount and we want to change the world. And I'm going, hold on, we need to have these very small steps and we need to celebrate them and go, Brilliant. Well done. Because, I mean, the positive with your situation is actually you've got hard evidence, Marlon, and obviously the brand 
it was slightly different, but that kind of illustration with true religion that, you know, you take that brand and then suddenly it's, it's, you know, something smaller and then it grows exponentially. And there's that kind of connection with lifestyle. And as you say, hitting Wall Street it made me smile. I don't know why. It just made me think of that Wolf on Wall Street moment with Steve Madden, where it just suddenly went absolutely mad. So it did make me smile, that comment. But it's for you guys, you know, you had that kind of evidence, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I guess, don't always have, but you have that conviction behind you. But yes, absolutely measuring in small steps, I think, for any entrepreneur is key. Jackie, tell me or tell our listeners, because I know all about your background and I'm super excited to hear it again. Tell our listeners a bit about your background. Sure. Um, so as Marlon was investing in true religion and making it very popular, you know, putting it on Paris Hilton and, you know, mm. with the black eyed peas and all that great stuff, <laughs> I was just a young kid dying to buy true religion jeans, even though they were $400, begging my parents to get me a pair. So I was always a huge fashion fan. Um, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, where I was very... Asian compared to everyone else around me. Um, but luckily for me, I had a great upbringing. I played golf all the time with my dad. Um, I really had a very rounded, you know, upbringing and a charmed childhood. And simultaneously, I was scouted to be a child model or a teen model, I should say, in that community because I was the only person of color really in that space. So I had a ton of work. There was a lot of big box stores that were um, based in Dallas, like JCPenney or Pier One. So I worked a lot um, during that time. And in my childhood years, I developed a sense of passion for fashion photography, being on photo shoot sets, and really understanding that process. So I grew up really wanting to be a fashion photographer. And when I moved to New York to NYU to study photography and I interned with Annie Leibovitz, I quickly learned that I did not want to do that. Um, it was a great experience, but I think I felt more compelled by clothing, the clothing itself, than the actual production side of it. So I pivoted and, you know, I ended up at in an internship at Barney's New York, which was um, a retailer. It's no longer here anymore in the physical sense, but it was the coolest retailer at the time. And I was working with the fashion director then, and that's really where I started my career. Um, but I, you know, the whole childhood of growing up in Dallas and being surrounded by these country club sports and this country lifestyle, it really stayed with me even through my New York years. And I always had that in my heart, but I never knew that there was a life as an adult, as an adult of color, where you could still be involved in that. You know, the, the goal that was always sold to me was move to New York, live in a penthouse apartment, work 16 hours a day, you know, the Miranda Priestly type dream. And I think when I met Marlon, I learned there's a whole other beautiful American dream, quote unquote, that you could aspire to. And I love that um, we really brought that out in each other. Like he always wanted to play golf with me. He, when I met him, he was buying and importing horses at the time and his daughter was riding. And so there were so many things that I resonated with from my childhood, but not necessarily was involved with at that time. 
You guys sound like kindred spirits. Honestly, I'm I'm just the sound of you guys. It sounds like you met at the right time uh, for one another and kind of enriched one another. Um, it's it's just so lovely to hear. And and Jackie, you casually mentioned Annie Leibovitz in there. And for anybody who's been uh, living under a rock for their entire life, Annie Leibovitz is a world-renowned US portrait photographer. Uh, she's phenomenal. And to give an example, I think, I believe, and quote me if I'm wrong, Jackie, she, one of her most famous pictures was of Yoko Onu and uh, John Lennon. I think John Lennon actually mm-hmm. was then sadly shortly murdered hours later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so possibly the last last picture of them, but she's phenomenal. So for you to work with her, wow. Um, I mean, just quickly, what what was that like for, for the purpose of our listeners who will be going, wow, how, how did that happen? <laughs> so it was incredible. And I say that for anyone who has an opportunity to work with a woman, a professional at that level, it really is you know, just the whole thing is a learning experience. And during that time, I was definitely the youngest person in the studio. All the, all the other interns were, you know, MBA or like master level photographers, or they were, you know, in their master's program for some sort of photography or film. And I was just this young kid that got a great opportunity. And I helped, you know, source like inspiration pictures and I helped put all the mood boards together. And there was so much pre-production work that went into it that I helped with. And then to be on set to kind of see the image be realized in the way that she wanted to, that she had seen it. It was such an incredible, um, it was such an incredible experience. And it really taught me how important it is to have a great team around you and to really pursue your own vision and to have that, to have that passion for what you're doing. And I loved every minute of it. And I was with her for, I would say, almost a little bit more than a year. But it was in that time that we were working with all the Vogue editors that I was always in the closet. You know, I was always with the garments (laughs) and the stylists. And, you know, I was just so fascinated by it all that I thought, okay, maybe I'm more interested here. Maybe this is what I want to do. So it was a natural progression. And and I guess, you know, if you were to give advice at this point, and I think you are very, you know, very uh, well positioned to do so. Um, but if you were to give advice to an entrepreneur who, like you, set out on one path career-wise and, you know, in certain certain disciplines, it's the path that you should do because your parents say that that's what you do. And like you say, with going to New York, that's, that means success. But if that person then realizes and perhaps wants to, to change and focus on something else, like what advice would you give to them given you've done exactly that? I would say follow your gut no matter what and understand that every lesson and every career you've had in the past, it will also color your future. And I don't think that there's an experience or a career or a job that won't teach you something if you're open to it. So I think take all of the lessons that you've learned Mm -hmm. and apply them to what you're doing moving forward and work hard and work smart and you'll be okay. Yeah, there's a saying I always live by, which is what is is meant for you won't pass you. And I, I do think that's true. I mean, sometimes we set off on paths and go this is it and you know and I think in your in our guts we kind of 
kind of know, but it, it takes bravery. And, and, you know, you guys are a prime example of that in terms of what you're trying to do. And we'll talk more about it later in terms of not only this beautiful fashion brand, but actually that meaning and purpose and what you're, you're setting out to do in terms of inclusivity. From a content standpoint, Jackie, and, and Marlon touched on this earlier, um, and, you know, that was where you started off that generating content to create awareness. Again, sort of quasi advice here. How important is this generating con- content um, in order to grow a brand? And more importantly, I think, get a sense of your respective personalities. If, if somebody is behind a brand and, you know, their personality is intrinsic, how important is content to, to help do that? It is the most important thing because we live in a digital world where content equals commerce. And coming mm. from a coming out of a brand that really did that in such a meaningful way. So coming from a brand prior to starting recreational habits that captured an audience just digitally through content made me realize how important content itself was in order to sell a product. Your product online is just product unless there's a story and emotional attachment to it. And that's what content can help build. And for a new brand like ours, especially in a new aesthetic where we're creating preppy products for people of color that have never seen themselves as quote unquote preppy, you know, people who wear preppy clothes, we knew that we had to create a strong foundation where people of color could see themselves, they could feel welcomed into sports that maybe they never heard of, such as carriage, you know, carriage race, carriage driving, or, you know, um, even like polo. So we wanted to create content that spoke to these people in a very welcoming way that created this emotional attachment and made them feel like encouraged and inspired to try these sports and thus try the clothes and to try to live this lifestyle. And the content was really a natural extension of what we wanted to know and what we wanted to talk about. And it really came from this very, you know, focused passion that both Marlon and I had. Yeah, I mean, content is literally king, particularly, I think, in the likes of Instagram, where it's just highly visual, beautiful photography, but absolutely because it is a saturated marketplace, you've got to stand out and, you know, people buy from people at the end of the day. But the story for me, given what I do uh, for a living is, is so, so crucial. And I think I see a lot of brands who kind of hide that. And I'm like, well, you know, I've got like hundreds of other choices over here what is your point of difference so you know and looking at you guys and being part of your brand in terms of even the photography I just think is really really smart Marlon back to you they um they certainly say in the UK never work with children animals and some add family and you guys are married and recreational habits is partly focused on sports involving animals so you're kind of ticking all of those boxes so well done to you guys um tell me the secret to how you make it work because you know obviously there's challenges involved in that but equally there's lots of pros because running a business on your own can be lonely right so you guys are kind of it feels like your best friends as well without sounding cliche but but what is the secret to making it work as a couple working with animals in part as well. Yeah. So 
I, I would say, you know, being open and honest uh, in all things is the number one key. And, you know, I think generally when people don't share their careers with their partners and, and, and it's not a way of life, then it's just a job. Doesn't mean that you can't be great at it. Doesn't mean that you can't excel at it. But it's it's a job. It's a work. It's you know you go to work and then you leave and it's over. For Jackie and I, we're fortunate enough to be able to live our work. And by doing that, um, I think that we live in front of each other every day. And that honesty and that authenticity comes across. And you know you know what they say. You know, you, you do something that nobody else has done and you end up with something great. And so, you know, there isn't a lot of people that, that live their life this way. Um, but I think we are privileged enough to be able to do this. Uh, and it's made us happier, both as individuals as well as a, as a couple. And we really get to combine that with our family. And our kids are now understanding, like, like our our idea is to be able to show an entrepreneurial spirit at a young age so that our kids, you know, understand that, yeah, you go to school, you get an education, but you have to stay honest to yourself. And then you're able to carry that forward in your life. And it's the exposure that we've given them that's given them the license to be able to do whatever and become whatever they want to be. Mm, great answer. You guys, either you need to write a book or you need to go and like lecture in a college if you've not already got that on the agenda you uh, both of you you know you, you guys are totally switched on in that respect and I couldn't agree more when you're raising children you know because the world likes to box and I think even more so with this younger generation and even more so if they're from a particular certainly in the UK class or they're of a particular color and I think where does that influence come from and some people say oh it's all about the teachers and you know that yes they play a part but I think it starts and, and continues from and with home. So I love your attitude. And, and what I want to get into next, because you've mentioned it throughout, is the diversity inclusion point. And certainly in the UK, look, you know, it's all over the news constantly. And because we live in a very class uh, kind of uh, divided society, there are, you know, uh, all of those various norms attached to, you know, for instance, horse riding. I'm I'm an avid horse rider, as Jackie knows, and I don't, I never see anybody of colour horse riding. And I think that is a problem in the UK. It's a very white dominant sport. But Jackie, I, I want to talk about diversity in, in fashion um, and actually, you know, get to the number of this. You know, what what do you think, what are your views on what kind of change all voices are needed on top of you guys, obviously you're doing an amazing job, to, as you say, increase knowledge and exposure to you know, individuals of colour who actually they themselves assume that certain brands aren't available to them, even though they actually will comfortably be able to afford such items. Like, What, what do you think is going to be needed across the world, perhaps particularly in the US, and, and protect, you know, take it one step further in the sporting environment, what voice or change is going to be needed? Let me start by saying that, at least in within fashion, that there have been, there has been a lot of really great initiatives that I would say some big organizations have put together in order to hold 
a lot of retailers and brands accountable for having more diversity and more representation in their marketing and, you know, their seeding efforts, their influencer efforts. Um, That being said, I do feel that a lot of the efforts are very surface level. So a lot of the brands do it in order to check off a box to mm-hmm. avoid the cancel cancel culture that we are seeing kind of in the digital space. But, you know, looking at, and I speak about this point um, now being in business for almost a year and having this brand, it's so important for a brand, a fashion brand specifically to have diversity as one of its founding, you know, core values. And I think when you do that, you can really attack the systematic issues that have been that have been put into place in a meaningful way. So whether that's your fit or your the way that um, your pri- where your price point is or where you are selling your items or marketing your items, like all of those things kind of come into play when you are trying to be a brand with a diversity first point of view. Um, So I would say that in order for the fashion industry as a whole to continue to target the lack of diversity within the space, we really need to make sure that we are raising the next generation of clients and you know, people who will work in fashion to be, you know, of a very mixed, you know, diverse group of people, but also that we're educating them on what's important and how we need to live our lives moving forward in order to, you know, tackle these huge issues that we have, not only in the U.S., but in the world. And I think it's the the mindset of people going into the industry. I think it's that as you say, that kind of, you know, like, um, you're going to re- really use a terrible example, Jackie, and you're going to laugh, but like people think, oh, it's the devil wears Prada type situation. I'm going to work in New York and, blah, blah. and actually the motivations mm-hmm. are kind of very aesthetic led. And I guess that's irrespective, that's uh, reflective of the fashion industry. But actually if the motives are, I want to change something, I don't know what it is, but actually I recognize that like everything, this has to evolve and I'm going to be that voice. And it's not just going to be kind of living the dream for, for me, I, 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 mm. this is going to be a we approach and, and, you know, and actually want to change, which uh, I mean, w- quick question. If your children wanted to go into the fashion industry, how, how would you feel about that? I would definitely have a pause. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we, Marlon and I have a daughter and she's very much into fashion and, you know, she's in the full preteen mood where she wears (laughs) some of our things to school and she gets compliments on it. So she's seeing that the brand resonates with her peers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think for her, she hasn't really voiced that she wants to necessarily work in fashion, but I know that naturally because both Marlon and I are super passionate about fashion and lifestyle and branding, you know, the, the passion is there, but I would, you know, I think we are giving our children a great education on the importance of value and mission led fashion businesses. So I do, I would encourage it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm not sure if Marlon would agree, but I think (laughs) very, 
I think it's cool that they are learning from us because we have learned so much already. And I'm happy mm. to pass that knowledge on to her and see where she can go even further than us from there. Awesome. I like your attitude. And I love the fact that like you're, you're getting some great marketing there through school mums. That's probably like a, a massive catch all <laughs> for for selling products. I, I know that market well, I have to say. And, uh, you know, well, one sees it and the rest want it. Yep. So, Jackie, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as well as you, Marlon, of course, today. And I wanted to finish, Jackie, uh, with a question that I ask everybody, and I, I, I'm looking forward to your answer, actually, uh, so no pressure. Um, is there something that you now know that you wished you had known 10 years ago? If I, let's see, 10 years ago, okay. I think what I wish I had known more than anything else was that it is possible to be an entrepreneur. And I think for my entire life as not only a woman, as a young girl, but I think also as a person of color, I was never told that this was a path that I had that was available to me. I grew up, you know, being very academic in school and, you know, having high marks in all of my classes, but the end goal was always that I was going to work for somebody else, whether that was at a CEO level or, you know, in some sort of very high ranking position, but it was never that I was going to have my own company. So I think 10 years ago, I wish I knew that that was an option for me and that I had the confidence in order to really pursue it. And I think even now, something that I struggle with is this feeling of imposter syndrome mm. where every day you're kind of like, yes, I've done all these great things in the business and we're making all this progress, but you know, is it all a fluke? Is it all <laughs> one of those things that's just going to disappear? And I do believe that a lot of women deal with that kind of feeling. And I wish 10 years ago that I had known that you really can do it and you can kick ass and make what you want and create a brand that has never been created before and have an aesthetic that has never been created before. And I love that. And I wish I could speak that to not only the next generation of young women, but, you know, to all these kids that grow up not knowing that that's an option for them. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more on the, on the female point. And, and indeed, actually, um, men, you know, I think they just don't perhaps vocalize it as much. But, you know, I think, as you get a bit older and a bit wiser, you think, why the hell not? And I think, you know, for, for you guys, you know, coming together with somebody who has come from a different background, but you've got that shared kind of vision and purpose and you want to, you want to do something about it, right? Absolutely, I think is the key. It's that kind of, that something within. And the rest of it, bluntly, you know, it's either based on experience or you make it up. And, and I think that's the bit that people go, oh gosh, I, I must go into the corporate environment where the framework's there, the rules are there. Everyone tells me what to do. But I think, you know, right. uh, my advice on top of yours would be sit back and go, actually, is my personality right for that? Because if it is, great, that, that might be the best place for you. But if not, there are options, as you say, and being an entrepreneur is is super exciting and and limitless. And and you guys, uh, standing back, are doing a fantastic job, and your story is a wonderful one. So thank you so much to both of you for for joining me today. It has been great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Appreciate that. Very welcome. And listeners, please remember to rate 
review and subscribe and we will catch you next time. Thank you.